Amen. I was sharing last week, a guy's coming on the screen, his face is, um, he's Russian, his name is Dimitri, he's in the, the book, Insanity of God, and I was watching the video and it just stunned me because it says of Dimitri that he sang his heart song. For 17 years, he sang his heart song, and I went back and read more about Dimitri because I just watched the movie when I shared the story last week. And so I read more about his history and his story, and he really, he planted a church because he met Jesus. And he felt like in meeting Jesus, other people should meet him as well. And so he began by just simply planting a church in his home. He just felt like this encounter with Jesus should affect his sons. And so Dimitri began to open the scripture and study the word of God with his sons. And they began to fall in love with Jesus. It says that in doing so in Russia during a time of the Cold War and the oppression of the gospel, that the village began to hear of Dimitri teaching the gospel to his sons. And so about 150 ultimately villagers began to sit with him in his kitchen, in his den. And I think they began to spill out into the streets as Demetri would just open the word because he had met Jesus and it had changed his heart song so much so that he began to share that with his sons who ultimately began to share that with his village who ultimately began to have repercussions with his government because they weren't very fond of Jesus. And it says that Dimitri then, in sharing, they walked in and said, we need you to A, stop this gathering, and B, recant Jesus Christ as Savior. And he said, A, I have nothing to do with this gathering. These are hungry for the Lord. And B, I cannot not speak of what I've seen and heard. As I listened to that film, Insanity of God, and I listened to him speak of his book and the documentary and the missionary who shared the story and had met with Dimitri, I love what he said because many of the words you just said, you could go to the book of Acts and hear them. And he said, what I want you to understand is that the book of Acts is not a historical dialogue only of the God of our gods, the King of glory moving in the early church, but the book of Acts, the 29th chapter, if you will, is moving forward today And there are sacrifices and passion and heart that is being sung in this world today in the same manner as you read throughout the book of Acts. It's not history. And it's not stories from 2,000 years ago. It's stories of today who men and women who have said, we've met Jesus and we want to speak this Jesus into the hearts of our children. And in doing so, it's probably going to spread throughout our villages. And it's going to capture us for who we are. And it says, ultimately, and you heard the story last week, so I won't belabor this, but Demetri was arrested and sent a thousand miles from his village, village to one of the most remote facets of um, Russia. And he was just simply said, you can have your freedom for simply this. You can have your freedom if you make this very simple step. Just simply sign this document saying, recant Jesus and you might be free. And I, I, the part that just blew me away, and I was, I was reading this and immediately called my father and been talking with him about this, but the part that just blew me away was rather than sign that, he spent 17 years standing up in his cell in a prison a thousand miles from his family and from his church, lifting holy hands and singing forth what was in his heart throughout a prison community. All the while, they are throwing their waste at him. They are 
They are pelting him with their urine and their fecal matter, and they are screaming and banging cups, and he stands for 17 years singing his heart song before the Lord. Now, just to be honest, I reached this moment, I was writing this in my notes, and I started to ask God, God, I'm wondering this, how well have I done for the last 17 months singing your heart song before my children, before my spouse, before you as a church? How well have I done just ripping my heart open and maybe for 17 months without oppression of prison? How am I doing with this? I kind of got all the way down. to I'm not real clear how I'm doing the last 17 days. And I'm really not even sure the last 17 seconds have been that abounding. I mean, I'm just wondering what, what, I, what God needs to do within my heart for me to be able to lift our heart song, my heart song and yours, blending together, saying, you are great, Lord, interpreted well. Just a portion of his song is, this is my heart that I will stand and sing. You may pelt me with varying things. You may cover my body in, in waste, and I am going to stand and sing of the goodness of our God. Oh God, this is my heart song. For I am the son of the living king. So even when the fire comes, I'll be rejoicing. Even after I suffer, I will be singing. For 17 years, he ended with these words. Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I will not stop singing of his glory. And that's powerful. And I'm just kind of going, God, I would like 17 seconds of that heart. I'm not, I'm not even positive I'm giving you that. It's been a, um, it's been an, this is important, and I was just, this is important for far more reasons, but it's, it's important because as a church, we gather week in and week out, and we aren't just sitting in this room, we're sitting in this room singing together of the goodness of God, and it matters. It matters to the greater community. It matters to the A21 network. It matters to the SOAP initiative and it matters to Porchlight. But even, even as importantly, it matters in this room. It matters that you and I brought in 17 seconds, 17 minutes, 17 days, 17 weeks, or maybe just maybe together we're getting 17 years of saying, here is my heart, Lord regardless of what comes my way. You are alive. I am hidden with Christ in you. I have been made alive by you. And so I will sing of your goodness. It matters because a friend of mine who worships here for the last year isn't here today and would have been last week. It matters as we gather in here that you walk in full of the Holy Spirit. I catch eyes with Dr. Dan and his best pastor friend for the last 60 years was here last week. And he stumbled into the arms of Jesus this week. I love pastors. And I love Dr. Griffin. And I love that he is jubilant before the Lord right now. But it mattered seven days ago that our heart song resonated. And it matters today that while he sings his in heaven, mine matches on this earth. It matters to my friend Michael, who I love with all of my heart and who found great hope in this church as he walked through trials. It mattered to him that we sang heart songs together. And Michael is not here this week, but we're singing heart songs this week. This is a weighty week where I don't want you to walk in and say, our pastor's passionate again. 
I want you to know that I want to sing songs together and I want my children to sing songs with me and I want the village to sing songs with me and I want my neighbors to sing songs with me and I want this city to sing songs with me and if possible, the nations to sing songs and I want some who are right now in slavery and I've got some singing songs about that in this room right now. It's a part of their heart right now. I want some of them to sing songs of freedom with us. That's what I'm looking for as I gather and worship and teach it this morning is to say, Oh God, that we would come and sing songs like this from the 96th Psalm. We sing to you, O Lord. And here's what we sing. We sing a new song. We sing to the Lord and we sing it throughout all of the earth. We sing to the Lord and we praise His name. And here's what we do in praising His name. We proclaim His salvation among ourselves day in and day out and day in and day out. And we proclaim that and we proclaim that and we proclaim that and the nations and our families and our tribes and our people will rejoice with us and sing a new song because His salvation is new and fresh every morning. We declare His glory among the nations. Praise you, Jesus. His deeds among all peoples. And here's why. For great is the Lord, and He is most worthy of praise. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord, He made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are His sanctuary. And I want to sing this song of the goodness of our God, proclaiming His salvation Giving, giving credence to his grace and mercy, speaking that to the nations and loving God, heart and soul, mind and strength. And I want to sing this together. I just want to sing this together and to make much of our Lord. And I think that as we begin to see him for who he is, we sing. And I believe that I come to you today saying three things to you. First, that there is someone or something more that we should be worshiping and celebrating today. I believe that's what the psalmist is saying. I believe that's what we have encountered. I believe that's why I'm saying, oh God, that you would draw us to yourself. I was sitting in my small group this morning and I, I believe that Isaiah had this encounter that I'm praying for us. If it happens today, praise God. But I'm praying that at some point every one of us has this encounter. Isaiah 6, if you were in small group this morning, is we have this counter for, I believe this with all in my heart, when we see God for who He is and we begin to make proclamation of Him among our peoples and our hearts begin to be one with one another and we're singing of His greatness, there are many things that fade. When Isaiah saw God for who he is, this is a powerful encounter that we studied. And I won't re-preach your lesson other than to say, it seems like some things changed for him. I love Isaiah 6 when it says, I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up. And the train of his robe, it filled this temple And it was something that was extraordinary and beautiful. And I have caught a glimpse of his majesty. And here's what happened for him as I was jotting notes about this this week. I just realized that, in fact, that was this morning as I was sitting in this early morning watching and speaking to God and saying, God, what was it that happened for him when you and I, when we encounter God and we begin to sing heart songs to him, Here's what happens. We know when we've encountered God, we know where we were. We know what we were doing. 
We know exactly when it happened because for Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, that's where I was. I was walking into a place to remember him. That's what I was doing. That fits very much the story of many of us this week. In the year that some person that I love with all of my heart died, in that moment when I was walking in the morning, here's, I was walking into this place of despair. Here's what I saw. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and the train of his robe, it filled the temple. I know where I was. I know who I was. I know what I was doing. I know where I had been. I know the stories I had been telling. I know that for five chapters, I had already been proclaiming the greatness of God. But I want you to know, after I saw the Lord again, I was fundamentally completely undone. And I am praying for this church that we see the Lord. And in doing so, our heart songs are fundamentally shifted and changed. Because many things when we see the Lord will go away. I saw the Lord. I knew who I was. I knew where I was. I knew what I was doing. I knew who I wasn't. And I became who I would never be apart from Him. And I went and began to just speak after God purified my life, I began to sing heart songs all over the place because my God is a great God and I declare Him among the nations. Are you and I, are we fueled by something more? Does it fuel us to come in this room? And Christian, listen, listen. If you are proclaiming your relationship as one with Jesus Christ and unclear about your answer to that, I am fundamentally asking you to plead of God that you see the Lord. That he is high and lifted up because as we see him, there is always someone more. His name is Jesus and he longs for more of us and more of our heart. Regardless, I'm not giving a judgment call on where you are. I'm just telling you that God is always, according to scripture, drawing us more into himself. His purposes, his ways, his divine beauty, his majesty. And I believe that when God is drawing a community to worship him for who he is, and we understand that he has power over everything, even death, there begins to permeate a community like this, a holy mystery among us. Folks begin to look and say, wow, I don't fully comprehend what's going on there, but I want you to be able to experience that. We have seen a glory of God. We've seen him. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. When we see the Lord for who he is, other things that we've been viewing shrink. And I can start listing other things that were greatly chagrined to our hearts shrink. I will not at 4.30 today, regardless of the outcome, allow my spiritual life to fall or not fall, depending upon the Jags. I mean, I, I'm going. I'm wearing number 15. I'm going to run on the field and see if they'll let me catch them all. I mean, that's, I'm going. But I, I promise you that when I see Jesus, that shrinks. I, just, I, I, I have circumstances that are much more weighty and I, I can talk to you about my friend that I've already alluded to and it weighs on many of us in this room and yet my view of God just highlights and I begin to have a greater urgency. What I, happens when I see the Lord and I begin to look at others who aren't viewing him yet, I begin to be wholly urgent about that and I want to sing my song well. I want people to say, when I met that seagull guy, 17 years he's been singing that song. I'm just right now shooting for 17 seconds. If we can make it 17 more minutes. In fact, if I make it that, it's running out of time on the screen on the back wall. Look, I know that. Y'all are like, oh, we can find out when he's going to finish now. Honey, peak. He's got 9 minutes, 13 seconds left. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. 
In the book of Acts, there's this overview of a church that saw the Lord and really, more importantly, were seeking the Lord. And I think that Paul just walked in amongst them and said, look, I think you're looking for something more. And I love this encounter. I think it goes perfectly well with Psalm 96. It goes perfectly well with Dimitri singing of the goodness of God in a village. It goes perfectly well with where we are in Acts 17. I mean, Isaiah, go figure. In Acts, the 17th chapter, it begins to just talk about this encounter. And Paul is walking in and he is meeting some people in the intellectual epicenter of this community. That's where he is. He's in the artistic epicenter of that region of the world. And he's stepping in to say, I see some beautiful things about you. And I want you to know this. He walked in among them and I think... It could fit most churches this day as well. But he walked into Air Pegasus and began to explore what's going on. And he walked and saw, you are worshipers. I mean, you've, you've crafted some amazing things. You've even covered your bases. And so I'm looking around and seeing people whose hearts are made for worship. I don't know your experience, but I read this encounter and I read Psalm 96. I don't look at Jacksonville. I don't look at the nations, but I live here. I don't look at Jacksonville or Mandarin and say, they're lacking, they're lacking in worship. We are surrounded by people who are, who are filling life with worship. And Paul walked in and he didn't jack them up or punch them in the face. He walked in and said, I see that you're a passionate people. I see the things that are on your heart. In Acts 17, verse 22, he says, Paul stood up and meeting among them, he said, Men of Athens, I see in every way that you're so very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of worship, I even found that you covered your bases. This is the Mark Single version now. I mean, you covered bases in this meeting because you are so passionate for wanting to meet with God that he sent me here, I believe, because you've made all these idols, but you even covered bases by making one to an unknown God. I mean, you were just looking and going, we really want to be worshipers in case we missed it. Let's make sure what I see in you is you know there's something more. You know that there is more than you are about. And I think Paul is coming and saying, what you worship in your ignorance, I want to share with you the fullness of that worship. I want to share with you the song of Psalm 96, the greatness of our God. In His greatness, He came to seek and save the lost. That's you. In His greatness, He is not hiding. He is pursuing you. He has been coming after you. That's why I'm here today. He wants you to know this unknown God. And maybe the second thought I have is this. He is something more and his name is Jesus. And he wants you to meet him. And he wants you to know that there is a great God and he is not unknown. Paul took a deep breath and he unfolded the mystery of Christ to his listeners. He began to talk to them in verse 24. He said, the God who made the world. Sounds like Psalm 96, doesn't it? And everything in it. It is the Lord of heaven and earth. And does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he has need for anything. He gives life and breath to men. He, I think he looks at them and he says as we should have conversations with our friends. You have been right the entirety of this time. There has been one that is unknown. He is greater than you can imagine. His name is Jesus Christ. He spoke this world into being. He is here to meet with you today. And he wants to encounter you. I want you to know, I want you to know, however, that the train of his road fills the temple. And that's just a portion of him. 
And he goes on to talk to them for a little bit, as we should talk about today as a church before we close. He goes on to talk to them for, for a few minutes, and he says, you're not going to craft an area that is going to be sufficient for your God. You're not going to build a building to him. You're not going to whittle out another idol. And you're not going to make three unknowns up there just to make sure you have the holy trifecta of unknown gods. I come to you telling you that he is Jesus. And there is no God before or after him. He is the son of the living God. And he is not inviting you to be a religious man. He is inviting you to die to self, to be made alive to him, and to come to fullness of life in him. There is something more. His name is Jesus. And let me just say this to you, church. There is not a facility, a program, a comfort that you can build that is going to allow Jesus to now be here. He does not reside in the brick and mortar. And we do have some brick that we covered with stucco, unfortunately. And he doesn't reside in the middle of this. We didn't construct Mandarin Baptist Church so that Jesus could have a home and he could stand out in the atrium and shake your hand and ask if you enjoyed it. How was the service today? Was everything good? You know, like your pastor. Did we, I mean, did we offend you in any way? <laughs> this is not a prop. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just making sure that Jeff isn't behind me, coming after me. You know, we're, we're, we're not wondering if the music was okay for you. Or if the, here's what he's saying. Look, look, I am the living God. Don't craft me. Don't shape me the way you want. I am far bigger than that. And when you meet me, you won't have this little moment of, that was a good worship. When you meet with me, you're going to have a moment of, I am undone. I'm ruined. Nothing else will bring satisfaction to my soul. And the greatest fear that I have for the church of Jesus Christ is this, that many of us have met and crafted God and formed Him to our comfortability, made a few things that make us satisfying to Him, defined ourselves by those few things, and we have never yet been undone for the sake of Jesus Christ. That was a huge moment for most of us in this room that know Jesus to go, God, I'm praying For that to happen, I long for your greatness. Don't give me 17 seconds of a song. God, give me 17 years and more and more. Because there is something more and his name is Jesus. And he is the constant supply of my breath and my being. And I'm not confused about this. Listen, I, I put this big in my notes. You do with it what you will. You cannot construct him. You only respond to him. And I think that's a big deal for most of us because we've constructed in the last 50 years, if we, if we do these three things, we're good with Jesus. And I'm just sharing with you that I just don't see that in Scripture. I don't see that anywhere with an encounter with God. What I see is I was thinking that I was going to walk in and celebrate Uzziah. And then I saw the Lord. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And I saw myself, and I was horrible. He allowed his wrath to come upon me, and he allowed his goodness and his grace to restore me. And I just simply rose up, and with holy hands, and bit 
I neck bent before him. I said, you're the king of glory. I've been speaking for a while, but I knew not whom I was speaking of. And if you would allow me, I am here and I am looking at you. I can't even look at you. Just send me. You think if we want to step in to the A21 network and we really want to step in to some trafficked people, we should probably see Jesus bend our knees and say, we can't do this. If we want to distribute soap or work for the children's home or if we want to step into our Calcutta, every one of us in this room having a passion for seeing the name of Christ, we should bend our knees, our hearts, our necks and holy hands before God saying, here am I Purify me. Send me in. I love you, Jesus. And I've seen you. And I can't reconcile what I see on this earth with you. So I'm going to keep stepping into broken places. And I'm going to keep walking with friends despite my heart being broken this week. It will not keep me from stepping in again and again and again and again because I've seen Jesus. And he's more than enough. And he's more than enough. He's present in this day. He's determined our days. He's determined our boundaries. And he's determined it for this purpose. I just read to you scripture. God did this so that men might seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. That's, that's awesome. God drew us into relationship and worship so that men might seek him and reach out for him and by his grace and for his glory find him. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move, and we have our being. As some of the poets would have said, you and I are his offspring. We have a good, good father. And he is near right now. And he invites us to look into his face and say, oh God, there is more. And I see you. Your name is Jesus. And in a world filled with worshipers, oh God, I am made for this. And I pray that what I have been pursuing, you could reveal to me in spirit and in truth by your grace and for your glory. There is something more. His name is Jesus. And he's present. I just end with an illustration. I love this illustration. Um, I, I believe that the heart song of the church should continue to be sung. And this isn't an illustration. This is a letter. I, I love Dimitri just saying, I'm going to sing the song of God because it's the heart of who I am. About 125 years after the book of Acts or the launch of the church, there was a, a person who was passionate for the kingdom of Christ. And he went to the emperor in A.D. 125. And he just really wanted to write him. And so he wrote this letter. I'll be glad to send it to you if you'd like it. I did not get it on the screen. And here's how he described the heart song of Christians. This is what he said of the church. I guess it picks up mid-letter because it says, Further, if one or other of them have bondmen and bondwomen, or if they have children... Through love towards them, they persuade them into the kingdom of Christ. When they have done so, they they call them brethren with no distinction among them. I love that. 
They do not worship strange gods. They go their way in all modesty and they are cheerful. See, just we fit in the pages of this. I'm praying this. Dimitri's story isn't a 2,000-year-old story. It's a 50-year-old story. This story is the story of the church when Jesus infused his church. They don't pursue strange gods. They are cheerful. Falsehood is not found among them. And they love one another. This is a letter to the emperor just saying, this is a little weird group going on over here, and this is what's happened. It's beautiful. And from widows, they don't turn away their esteem. They deliver the orphan from him who treats him harshly. This is the church. This is what it looked like when it got launched. When Jesus said, here we go, the Holy Spirit's going to be better than me on this earth, and we're going to crank up a church, and he's going to infuse it. Here's the Spirit Spirit of God-infused church. He who gives to him who has not does so without boasting. And when they're, they see a stranger, they take him into their homes. And they rejoice over him as a very brother. And if they'll lead him to Jesus, they'll call him brethren. For they don't call them brethren after the flesh, but brethren after the Spirit and in God. And whenever one of their poor passes from this world, each one of them, according to his ability, gives heed to him and sees to his burial. And if they hear that one of their number is imprisoned or afflicted on account of their Messiah, all of them minister with anxious joy and expectancy to his necessity. And if it is possible, they redeem him and set him free. And if there's among them any that's poor and needy, and they have no spare food, I love this, I love this. It's not, oh, they're abundantly wealthy and they give you a fraction. If any among them is needy and they have no spare food, they fast for two or three days so that they can give their food to one another. I just think about what we're talking about in the atrium today and I'm thinking, God, if one of my children sitting on the second row, in other words, they lived as if there was another king. There's something more. His name is Jesus. And he is very near right now. But it requires and invites a humble and broken people to invite him in. But when we do, oh my. Holy Spirit, pray that you stir among us you draw our eyes heavenward to see you. Draw our eyes back to ourselves to see our impoverished nature. Draw our eyes back to heaven to see that the abounding inheritance and riches of God in Christ are ours. Draw our eyes back to earth and see ourselves as orphans. Draw our eyes back to heaven and see ourselves as being adopted and children of the King. God, I could go on and on about who we are in you. But oh God, I pray that across this room, as we close this service in song, that we would close this service in joy, in gladness, in deep cheerfulness for who and whose we are because of you. Oh God, be more than near to us. Come in. Make yourself at home. Draw us to the rhythms of your grace. Break us, Lord, and mold us back together as your people. 
And may the heart song of Mandarin Baptist Church be one that sings over this community for the sake of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise you, Father. As we typically do, we just close our service in a song. I don't know that it's typical that we see Jesus, but it should be. So we just have an altar here. If you would like to come and just bend your knee and say, Lord, show me yourself. I'm worshiping. Draw near. Some of our pastors will be here at the front if you want to pray with someone. A song will carry on and our worship team will lead. What we really just want in this moment is for us to be free, to see Jesus, to see ourselves, and to long for more of Him. So as we sing this song, the altar is open, pastors are here, but far more beautifully and more glorious, the Son of God is here, the King of glory, Jesus Christ. Have you seen Him? Let's worship together. You can stand if you'd like.